Welcome to the one and only Circle City Cinema with your host and the one and only Zach. Welcome into Circle City Cinema. I am your host, Zach Griffith, and I'm joined by the founder himself, the founder of the Running Hug Podcast Network, Alex Burr. Alex, how are we doing? I'm doing great, Zach. Um, we're talking about one of my favorite movies today. Talking about a lot of stuff. I'll, I'll be, I'm really excited. Really excited for this episode. I'm really excited, too. Number one, because this is also one of my favorite movies about my favorite superhero. Different version of my favorite superhero, but one of one of my favorite movies. Number two, it's been too long since I've done a cinema. And honestly, I have no excuse for being away from the mic this long. And uh, I'm going to start doing some more monologues. Hell yeah. the season. Uh, I'm going to kick back up with the favorite movie series. We're going to round that out. I've got some ideas churning in the factory. So cinema will be dormant no longer. So... Uh, we're back today, folks, talking about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2018 animated movie that, quite frankly, rejuvenated uh, Spider-Man and animation in some ways. Uh, before we get into it, though, Alex, first off, how have you been? How have you been? I haven't seen you since uh, our friend Bryce's wedding. So how have you been? It's really been a while. Time really flies, huh? <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yeah, that was like a month ago. That was a, that was a month ago. You know, I went on vacation. You know, it, it's been a crazy, it's been a crazy month, Zach. You Where'd know, you NBA go? Season, I went to uh, Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge. Oh, uh, it's a fun place. It is a fun place. Um, I believe it is where Bryce proposed. <laughs> so shout out to him. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, kind of a funny little thing there. I go there after immediately after his wedding, but yeah, you know, basketball season's back kicking back up, you know, trying to get back into the rhythm of that. But I think it's been nice because Dylan and I have shattered our pod length expectations out of the water this year. We haven't even on the team ones. We haven't even touched an hour and a half yet. Nice. So I, we, you know, this, I'm going to say Zach, and we never thought after Caleb made his switch, I didn't think this, this was going to be possible this week. The Alex and Dylan basketball power hour was shorter than Linsanity. Do you believe in miracles, folks? Do you now, believe in miracles? We were talking we were talking about the Sixers, who half their team is in the health and safety protocols. We're talking about the Bucks, who have missed half their starters for most of the year. And we talked about the Thunder, who are the Thunder. So <laughs> who are thunderously tanking once again. Although they beat the Lakers. They're on a two-game winning streak right now. Actually, I don't know if they played between now and their last game, but no, they're in a three game winning streak because they've beaten the oh. Spurs and the worst team in the league right now. Your New Orleans Pelicans, Zach. My New Orleans Pelicans? Why are they mine? I don't because you hate them so much. It was it was an ironic phrase, Zach. I don't hate them. I just think they're overhyped. I just think, you know, we're going to hype up Zion this much when uh, John Moran is clearly better than him so far. So, you know, I just like, do, you want, do you want a nuclear take that I won't drop on the power hour? Sure. Yeah, drop it here. 2019 redraft. Okay. Ja first. Not even a discussion right now. Okay. Second pick. I'm going with Rowan Barrett Jr. That's right. 
RJ Barrett, second pick. I'm telling you, I'm all in on the RJ Barrett hype train. Like he is going to be a monster scorer and it's great for him that he doesn't have to do a whole lot right now, but like they're letting him kind of mess around with the ball. And I'm really, I think right now I'd rather have him than Zion. So shout out if there's any Knicks fans listening to this. I don't think there are, but (laughs) it's quite the take. Yeah. It's funny because the Knicks were tanking for Zion, tanking, tanking quotes. Uh, Thank you for Zion, like everybody else. Uh, didn't get him because of the Knicks, and ended up getting RJ Barrett, his teammate, and might some might say they're better off for it. Made the playoffs last year, had a frisky first round series with the team that made the Eastern Conference Finals. So maybe they are better off. Maybe who, who, who's to say? Really, <laughs> who's to say? Who's to say? Uh. So that's great, Alex. Good to see you again. Uh, good things you've seen lately, Alex. A staple of the show. Good things you've seen lately, show or movie, doesn't matter. So I'll go. I have a. I'm gonna kind of power through a ton of them. So Many Saints of Newark. I love that movie. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, could there have been better things? I think it could have probably been a little bit longer. But I think for the most part, I'd give it like an eight out of 10. I really still liked it. And I think that there's a lot they can do with uh, Michael Gandolfini, who was great. I think he was great. He was, he was great. Um, Dune. I really liked fucking awesome. Dune was really good. Yeah. Like mind blowing, even on like my small in comparison TV to like a movie theater screen. I enjoyed it at home. So that was fun. Um, I caught up on Succession, which I've been telling you you would love. Like, you you just need to watch, watch it soon. Back. I'm gonna watch it soon. Don't worry. It, it's in the middle of its third season right now. It's I can't say anything because Zach hasn't seen it and I can't spoil it. But uh, here's my like 30 second like elevator pitch on Succession. It's funny and it's got rich people doing fucking obscene things. And I think that that combination right there is a killer. Um, the harder they fall on Netflix. Ah, yes. I really like that movie. Um, it was really, it's a nice little Western, you know, like, and Jonathan Majors is a stud. You know, I put aside my personal bias against Idris Elba and enjoyed his performance. Lucky <laughs> Stanfield, I think, might be my favorite actor working right now. Like, I think I really, I just haven't seen a movie with that he's in that I haven't just come away with, like, oh my gosh, I love how he acts. He's like a real. He's just a real, like, he puts on a show every time, like, even if he's being subtle. And I think being subtle is what Lakeith is best at. And I think he's really good at that. So the harder they fall. And that's basically everything I can think of off the top of my head. So what have you been watching lately, Zach? Well, I got three things here. Uh, One of them's Dune. Dune, I think, uh, will be nominated for a lot of things at the Oscars. Uh, Visual effects, obviously. Um, best picture, I would hope. I would hope. Um, best director, best actor, Chalamet. I don't know. I would Probably hope not. so. I would hope so, but I doubt it. Um, I saw Dune and IMAX twice. Some might call that pissing money away. I would call that uh, appreciating art the way it was meant to be appreciated. Tomato, tomato, as we all know. Yeah, tomato, tomato, potato, potato, fuck them. Uh, the first time I saw it was with our, our good friend Bryce Shaddy. 
or no, the first time I saw it was 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 my good friend Cooper Ogle, uh, who had seen it before, and it was my first time seeing it, and I was blown away, knowing nothing about Dune. That's the thing about this movie. I knew nothing about. I had seen the 1984 David Lynch Dune movie, and it's not great. You know, I'm a big David Lynch guy, but that movie was not great. Um, retroactively, a lot of critics have said it wasn't as bad as they said at the time, but it wasn't great. This one definitely blew it out of the water. The thing I liked most about this movie was, like I said, I know I knew nothing about Dune or that universe at all. I had never read the book. We'll never read the book. I'll just say that. I will never read the book. And it was so easy to keep up with because they did a really good job of explaining the universe, explaining the characters' motivations, stuff like that. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome. It's the second best movie I've seen this year. Uh, the first one, the first, the the best movie I've seen this year, Pig. Pig, starring Nicolas Cage. Uh, I actually ordered this movie on Amazon, on Blu-ray. I just got it the other day, and I can't wait to watch it again. It is a movie that absolutely sidestepped all the expectations that I had for it. I thought it was going to be like a John Wick type of movie. Was not at all. Was not at all. The trailers absolutely fooled me. Saw this movie with Cooper as well. We both came out of it thinking, that's the best work Nicolas Cage has done probably since leaving Las Vegas which for those who don't know was the movie he won an Oscar for. Um, so probably the best work he's done since then. Definitely in the Nicholas Cage Hall of Fame. Uh, and it was this director's first, uh, first directorial debut. It was his debut and it was an amazing movie and I can't wait to watch it again. Came very close to tearing up during this movie, Alex. Wow. And I, I did not expect... I have said on the record many times I've only cried during three movies. This almost made the club. <laughs> this, came, this came very close to making the club. So, Pig, Bryce, I know Bryce is saying, he said to me at work and off the record and whatever, I'm not going to watch this movie, Zach. It, it looks dumb. Well, Alex, Alex, since Bryce won't do it, I implore you to watch this movie. I implore you, my friend. I will. I, it is amazing. Where is it on? Is it even streaming right now, or is it? I will let you borrow it. Okay. I will. I will, I will let you borrow it. I'll bring it to your house, Alex. I don't care as long as I'll you tell watch you what. it. Well, I'll come. I'll come to you. I'll come to you. We'll watch it on your your big TV. We'll watch it. We'll watch it together. Even better. Sounds, we'll make plans. We're making plans on a podcast. Just what the people want yeah. to hear. <laughs> Speaking of Nicholas Cage, he's going to come up on this pod today. Oh, I was going to say, is, is it better than the performance as <laughs> Spider-Noir? That's what I was going to say. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But it's... I have lots of thoughts on Spider-Noir, so... <laughs> Listen, Spider-Man Noir was badass. And I know you you love to quote him, but... I mean, <sighs> Nicolas Cage, one of my favorite actors. And I have a lot of respect for him. And I said it in the Snyder Cut monologue. The main reason I have a lot of respect for him, Alex, is just because... He will work with anyone. He will... I mean, he has no limits. He'll do any genre. And it's not just for a paycheck. He actually just loves making movies. 
And you can never say he mails in a movie. You can never say that. He always gives it his all. So I have a lot of respect for Nicolas Cage. This is a guy who has an Oscar. He could just sit back and enjoy life if he wanted to. I mean, he's a member of the Coppola family. So he can honestly just sit back and just live life if he wanted to. But no, he keeps doing movies, keeps doing these experimental things. And I, I have a lot of respect for that. And then number three, Alex, uh, <laughs> you're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. And you're not going to be the only one who laughs. The Bachelorette. Okay. The Bachelorette. Yeah, I, have you pegged as a Bachelorette guy? Well, I've been watching it with my girlfriend. And I'm very, I'm very, I'm very invested now. I didn't expect to be invested. It's, <laughs> for, for instance, last night we were watching it. And I became very pissed off when the, when the, when the episode ended. Because there's a guy who is clearly the villain, didn't deserve to get a rose, Alex, and he got a rose. And it didn't ruin my night, but it definitely hindered it. Because I was like, why? Why Why is this guy sticking around? So, I can't decide if it's fake or not. You know how some of these real, quote-unquote reality shows, you can tell um, producers get involved and getting the, get the actor's get in the people's ear. I feel like that's what's going on here, but I don't know. It's just that's what it's, it's, it's entertaining. Even if it is fake, it's entertaining. So that's all you can ask for from a reality show. In my you're opinion. far from, I mean, I follow a lot of people on Twitter who love the bachelorette. So you're far from the first person. I just honestly didn't see it coming from you. <laughs> like there's no way I would have pegged you as a bachelorette guy, but I mean, you know, listen, hey, like, I, I like a good reality show. And you know what? If it's entertaining, fuck it. You know, fuck it. I'll watch it. I don't care. If it's entertaining. That's the point of a reality show, right? It's entertaining. Reality TV, <laughs> reality TV isn't necessarily my skis because Anna, Anna, my girlfriend, she likes to watch. Um, we watched Wife Swap a little bit over like since the last time we talked on a podcast and I just would yell at the TV. I just be like, what the hell are you doing? This is like, this is so stupid, <laughs> but you know, like, Hey, I listen, I'm not going to get in the way of anybody who likes reality shows, you know, like that's, that's fine. You know, like I'm not here to judge. I'm it's not for me, but like, Hey, you know, good, good for you, Zach, you know, for finding another lane and diversifying your vast portfolio. Yeah, I think it's a good resume builder. I, p- I put it on my LinkedIn page. You know, it's it's great. It's nice. Watch the perspective. Perspective media podcast employer is already <laughs> already looking very very thirstily at your uh, at your resume. This guy watched the Bachelorette. We gotta hire him. Hire him. Why is this man not covering college football right now? <laughs> um, I will say a movie I forgot to say that I watched recently. Yeah. All time classic. And one of my favorite movies, Blazing Saddles. Oh, yeah. Oh, one, yeah. I actually just watched that this Monday. I was like, I have nothing to do. I'm by myself. So let's just watch Blazing Saddles. And it, it it's crazy because I feel like every time anyone talks about that movie on the Internet, it's always like, oh, this movie couldn't get made today. I feel like that's not it's they, it couldn't get made today, but not for the reason you think, <laughs> because it's making fun of like a lot of the you know, racism. It's making fun of like a lot of other stereotypes of things. It's not, it's a really smart movie. It just doesn't have our sensibilities of it, but I still think it's a timeless movie, even in spite like of it not having modern sensibilities. I think that it's just a genius movie. 
And I don't like hearing the talk of like, oh, this movie, <laughs> it couldn't get made today. No, of course not. But it's like, it's not, it's not 1974. Right. <laughs> it's, it's a completely different time. That movie was made. Well, that movie was a mate. Like Richard Pryor was a writer in that movie. He was supposed to be in the movie. Yeah. And he was like a massive liability risk. So they couldn't have him in the movie. I think that... <laughs> It's just a really great movie. And I think that saying it couldn't get made today is like really reductive <laughs> because what another reason it couldn't get made today, Zach, what comedy would have like a minute long stretch of just farting? <laughs> like, it's so stupid. It's, it's funny. And it's that's the point of a comedy is to make you laugh. So shout out to Blazing Saddles, one of the Mel Brooks's best film, in my opinion. And I love absolutely. Mel Brooks movies. It's absolutely and, his best for me. I haven't seen Young Frankenstein in a while. I haven't seen the producers in a while. Um, my top two Mel Brooks movies, it, no doubt, it's Blazing Saddles and Spaceballs. I had I need to watch Spaceballs again because I haven't seen it in forever. But those are my top two, and I'm not discussing anything else. Yeah, those are those are the top two, definitely. Uh, Alex, let's get into into the Spider Verse. Take me back to the first time you saw this movie. For me. It was in the theater in December 2018 when it came out. It was with my cousin Drew. And we were both like, you know what? Not a lot of movies out this month. Let's go see it. I think the only other movie out this month in December 2018 that we wanted to see was Aquaman. And I think those are the only movies I saw in December 2018. And this one, I mean, just a spoiler alert for later, this movie makes... Spider-Verse makes my 2018 Mount Rushmore, and I'm sure it makes yours as well. But uh, take me back to the first time you saw this movie, Alex. The first time I saw this movie. So it was a tumultuous week in the life of Alex Burr. Ah. Um, One thing I will share with you and one thing I won't. I'll keep the other thing private. The thing I will share with you is that my dog, who I'd had for since I was like five, died that week. Um, Again, I'm not going to share the other thing because that's deeply personal. But a lot... A lot of stuff was happening all at once. And then um, it was my birthday when this came out. My birthday is in at the end of December. And I think this came out on December 19th, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. That would make my birthday like a Tuesday. I don't remember. December 14th. December 14th. So, yeah, my birthday is on the 28th. So obviously this is still prime range for it being in theaters. I went and saw it on my birthday. Yeah. And it just meant a lot. Like it was a really... It was a really troubling time in my life and the movie just like made me feel really good inside. And so, and I got to see it, you know, with my girlfriend, I got to see it with my mom and my sister and my brother. So that was a great. So yeah, this movie will always hold a special place. I think the fact that it is makes it more special. It's a very special movie in, in, in many ways. Um, like I said, the first time I saw it was in the theater and I'm glad it was in the theater because apologies for my dogs. My dogs are fucking psycho and, uh, yeah, they're just psycho, but, uh, I'm glad I was in the theater. I actually watched it. I think I watched it in, in prep for this pod. I watched it a couple of days ago. I think I watched it Tuesday night on Blu-ray and it was amazing on Blu-ray. Um, I wish if it, I mean, I don't think it'll have a re-release in theaters, but if it did, I would definitely go see it in IMAX because 
And that's rare to say about an animated movie. I mean, I don't know another animated movie where I'm like, yeah, I'd probably go see that in IMAX. I can't think of one. Maybe Up. Up, maybe. I'd say Wally. Wally, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, probably those two, definitely. But I don't know. This I just feel like this would be a great IMAX experience. Um, but let's move on to 2018 movies. Just for context, set the scene. When I was looking up movies from 2018, in my mind, for some reason, I was like, 2018, not a great year. Not a great year. I was just going off the Oscars mostly because a movie won Best Picture that I thought shouldn't have won. Um, You're famous uh, one of the movies, and I think we'll talk about it when we when we come up come across it. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe that's why my thought process of 2018 movies was tainted. But looking back on it, doing research, damn, this was a pretty solid year. It was a pretty solid year for film. So here's some uh, some of the popular releases that year. So we had White Boy Rick. I saw this in the theater as well. Uh, really solid, underrated movie. I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater, but really good. Really good McConaughey performance. Just solid. Just a solid movie. I, I really want to watch it again after doing some research. Then we got Venom. Venom, uh, which I didn't put in my good things you've seen lately, but Venom, let there be carnage, Alex. Not as good as the first, but has some significant consequences for the MCU and stuff. I don't know if you saw it. I did not. I, I, I have to catch up on the Venom franchise as a whole. Anna loves those movies, so that'll be like an excuse. Hey, you want to watch Venom? <laughs> yeah. Let there be carnage. So yeah. Beautiful boy. Speaking of Timothy Chalamet, this is the first movie I ever saw him in. Uh, alongside Steve Carell, who put in a great dramatic performance this is well after he established himself as a great dramatic actor. Um, beautiful boy. Talks about a, a father with his son. Carell's the father. Chalamet's the son. Uh, the son struggling with addiction and stuff. And really just a, no pun intended, a, a beautiful story about a father trying to help his son through just, you know, an addiction. Trying to Make his life better. Then we got Black Panther, which is, you know, you can't really say, can't really put into words what Black Panther did for the superhero genre and for the MCU. I mean, it was just really, obviously with the passing of Chadwick Boseman, this movie has grown in reputation, but can't really say in words what, what this movie means to a lot of people. So Black Panther for sure. Roma, one of the best foreign language films. One of the best films period that I've ever seen. Still on Netflix if you haven't seen it, so go see it. A Star is Born. Then we got Halloween. Green Book. I'm going to kind of run through these here. The Mule, which I never saw. I heard it sucked, um, which is a shame because... Late stage Eastwood. Shout out. (laughs) Yeah, it could be just a case of an Eastwood paycheck. Who knows? First Man. Then we got Mid-90s. Jonah Hill's directorial debut still need to see that still need to see mid 90s then we got ready ready player one which alex i don't know if you heard my spielberg take i don't know if i've ever said it on the record honestly i think spielberg's cooked wow i think he's cooked uh, i mean look in my opinion the greatest director of all time steven spielberg 
But listen, listen, man. When you're remaking a bona fide classic in West Side Story, I'm just really questioning what you're doing at this stage of your career. Ready Player One is very ambitious, very visually appealing, very visually appealing. But I'm never going to watch it again. No offense, Steven. Den of Thieves. Still haven't seen it. Love it. Uh, I've heard great things about it. Yeah. go Give us a little Den of Thieves speech. I haven't. It's been a while since I've watched it. But if you like action movies, this is the movie for you. Like, it's tense. And it's weird because, like, the the biggest action scene, and this isn't really spoiling anything, but the biggest action sequence takes place in, like, crowded traffic where no one's moving. <laughs> And I, well, and it's like a cool conceit for a movie. Like, there's a big twist at the end. Um, O'Shea Jackson Jr., aka Ice Cube Jr., he is, I mean, I call him O'Shea because he's, I like his work as an actor. I like him in Den of Thieves and I like him in Longshot, the uh, Seth Rogen and Charlie's Theron movie. Yeah. Um, but O'Shea Jackson Jr. is great in the movie. Gerard Butler, um, Nikki Sabatka is in it as like a goon. Oh, shit. <laughs> so oh, shit. it's a lot of like, it's a lot of great performances. It's a really good action movie with a really good twist. And I, like Zach, this is right up your alley. I don't know how you haven't seen this yet. I don't know how I haven't seen it either. I listen to the big picture a lot. The podcast with, with uh, Sean Fennessy and he talks about it all the time. And I'm just like, how have I not seen this? So add it to the list on my Netflix. That's for sure. Speaking of Netflix, the next movie, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Coen brothers movie, very solid movie uh, was nominated I think for best original screenplay, I think best adapted screenplay, one or the other really good movie, kind of an anthology uh, type of thing. So really cool. Hereditary, one of the scariest movies of the past decade. I will never watch it again. Not because it was bad, but because it was just that scary. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch it again. Deadpool two, uh, really a great year for Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin uh, playing Cable in this movie. Knocked it out of the park. Solo, a Star Wars story. I was a big fan of this movie. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. The ending was awesome. Uh, For those who don't know, uh, I'm not even going to say spoiler alert because it's been three years. Darth Maul shows up in the end. And Darth Maul just is an amazing character. Probably my favorite Star Wars character. So, yeah. Killer Amelia Clark and Killer Woody Harrelson. I don't think you could really ask for it much more. Killer Paul Bettany as well. Paul yeah, Bettany Paul Bettany's great. Um, I can never remember the guy who plays Han Solo, but he's great. Alden Ehrenreich. That's right. That's that's Ehrenreich. Um, <laughs> that's terrible. I'm sorry. But that was... Um, he was great. I mean, really, the whole performance from the whole cast was just... It was top notch. It was good. And it gets a bad rap because it was a bomb. And it was the first Star Wars movie to ever be a bona fide bomb, which is a shame. I still not totally sure why it bombed. Maybe because it came out in May. I'm not sure a Star Wars movie has ever come out in the summertime since. And also, there was that weird the stuff. original. Lord and Miller were attached to that movie. And then they kind of got, like, got I remember, fired. they got fired. They got fired. And because I mean they're a bad fit on a Disney movie. Let's just be real. Like based on based on their source material. But um they got replaced with Ron Howard halfway through, so it's like a really weird amalgam of a movie. But it's not bad, is Two the thing. Very different styles of directing. 
You don't say. <laughs> One guy directed A Beautiful Mind. The other guy's directed uh, the fucking Lego movie. So, yeah. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. 21 Jump Street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, there you go. Um, I still consider that Lord Miller's movie. I think there's definitely more of them in the movie than than Ron Howard. But I thought it, I thought it was good. It's just a shame it bombed. Because a lot of people shit on it for that reason, which I didn't think was totally fair. But uh, good movie. Then we got Aquaman. One of the I thought it was really good. I thought it's one of the few bright spots of the DCEU. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought Momoa was great. There were definitely some uh, creative choices in that movie that I didn't, I didn't agree with. Number one, uh, Aquaman just fucking bailing during a during during a fight just dipping and saying nah i'm losing i think i'll quit so yeah did you ever see that movie i did not see aquaman and i don't think listen i'm skipping most of the dc editions the suicide squad i'll say i think we talked about it on one of our other pods but i really i really like the suicide squad but unless if it's not getting positive buzz or if i haven't heard about it i'm not watching it (laughs) unlike the mcu the dcu doesn't get my any benefit of the doubt no, and, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't. But I will tell you about Aquaman. First off, made a shitload of money. Made over a billion dollars. Second off, directed by James Wan, who is generally a, a, a horror uh, director. Directed Saw, uh, The Conjuring, stuff like that. Um, I think it's worth a watch, Alex. I would, I would give okay. it a watch. Yeah, I would give it a watch. Um, then we got Avengers Infinity War. Without a doubt, the biggest movie of the year. Um, surely to come up later in another category, um, without a doubt. Then we got Black Klansman. Um, I got a lot to say about this movie. I love it. Uh, I think I wouldn't say it's Spike Lee's best movie, but I think you can make a case it's the second best movie. Um, it's a really great movie. Then we got Mission Impossible Fallout. You can make a case best Mission Impossible movie. In fact, I would make that case. Really great movie. Well, one of my best in theater experiences, Mission Impossible Fallout. So really great experience in the theater. Then we got another MCU, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, you know, just typical Ant-Man movie. A lot of fun. Um, you're probably not going to watch it more than like twice, but really fun. Then you got Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, I'm going to be honest, never finished this movie. Never finished it. I thought it had a weird flow to it, in my opinion. I couldn't stick with it. That being said, Rami Malek, from what I saw of the movie, totally deserved the Oscar for Best Actor, and I have no complaints with him. Did you did you watch it in the theater, or did you watch it at home? Watched it at home. Yeah, this is definitely a you had to have seen it in the theater. I haven't seen it since I watched it in the theater, and it works a lot better in the theater, you know, with the sound... You know, your oh, yeah, sure. songs. <laughs> Basically, this is like a musical for if you just want to listen to Queen songs. And you know what? I'm not complaining because I got into a really I became a really big fan of Queen after this. Um everybody did. Like, like, yeah, it's I mean their music is great and I think it helped our generation, you know, better understand Queen. But yeah, like in terms of like cinematic quality, it's like a C at best. Like Rami Malik kills it. But even then, like, there's a lot of historical inconsistencies. Right. And, you know, Brian May, who is one of the greatest guitarists of all time, and the other, I don't remember the other names of the band members, but they don't feel like they got a very fair shake from the movie, and I think I would have to agree. (laughs) From what I saw, I would agree as well. It's definitely a, might as well have been a Freddie Mercury 
biopic, but hey, I mean, he was he was the face of Queen, so you know, is what it is. Same situation is. with the Doors movie, where it was Jim Morrison biopic, and it's like, yeah, well, I dare anybody else to name two other members of the Doors besides Jim Morrison. I can't. <laughs> I can't. So you got me. I mean, the fact that I I can name Brian May is impressive, but that's like he's just an impressive guitar player. Yeah. But he, I, I, yeah, it's basically when people think of Queen, they think of Freddie Mercury, and that's not fair to Queen because they they were all great, great at what they did. Yeah, great musicians. Then we got Creed two movie I saw in the theater. Uh, unlike the first one, Creed I did not see in the theater. I like Creed two. I liked it. Um, what I thought was a dead franchise was reinvigorated by Ryan Coogler in 2015. And now, uh, I believe they're making a third one. So I'm probably going to see it. If that tells you anything. Then we have the train wreck that is Jurassic world fallen kingdom. Um, I'm just going to skip over this. This was, uh, uh, yeah, no, no, thanks. Then we got Incredibles two. Um, in the rare case, a Pixar movie that did not win the best animated feature Oscar. We'll get into that later. Alex, did you see Incredibles 2? I did. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it's, it's not great. Definitely doesn't live up to the It's fine. The thing about Pixar is though, is like, there's like the ceiling is so high for their movies. It's like when a movie is average, People are like, oh my god, this is the worst Pixar movie ever. When in reality, like if that was another studio's like movie, we'd like be classifying it as like a, one of their magnum opuses. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like it's kind of an unfair bar, but they've raised the bar so high for themselves is that like if they put out a subpar movie, then it's you know, they're gonna get shit on for it. I mean, when your first movie is Toy Story, you've you know, you've you've laid the groundwork for a new, a new, a whole new kind of standard. So mm-hmm. there's that. And then finally, we have Vice, uh, the Dick Cheney biopic starring Christian Bale as Dick Cheney. Very polar, maybe the most polarizing movie of the year. I thought it, I enjoyed it personally. Um, Adam McKay directed it. Adam McKay uh, flexing is this was a nice mix of dramatic and comedic. I thought the big short was a better better mix of those two things. But Vice, I can see why it was polarized for sure. I enjoyed it. That being said, I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater. But great performance from Christian Bale and uh, Amy Adams too, playing Dick Cheney's wife. So solid, solid year for film. That being said, Alex, give me your, give me your 2018 Mount Rushmore for movies. So I have to say... I haven't seen Roma. I've only seen about half of Star is Born. Um, I couldn't finish the Ballad of Buster Scruggs because I couldn't get past the Liam Neeson part. I'll just say. That is extremely fair. And I almost didn't get past it myself. So I didn't want to. I stopped at that point. Um, I haven't seen Black Klansman, which seems right up my alley. So my 2018 list is going to be very um, franchise heavy with I'll start. Spider-Verse is just my first one. It's the Washington on this Rushmore. And I think it would probably be the same for you as well. I just don't. And then obviously the second head is going to have to be infinity war. Like I, that's kind of obvious. Like 
those two movies were just great. Like 2018 was a great year for superhero movies. And that's the third pick is going to have to be Black Panther. <laughs> like, yeah. like those three movies are just so really good. And then my last pick, I'm going with my heart over my head here. I'm going with Den of Thebes with my nice. last pick. It's nice. really respect. I need to watch it again, but it's a phenomenal action movie. And I think that like, it's just really well done. Um, the performances are all great. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like cons and cons and cons. It, you love it, Zach. So what's your Rushmore? Here's the thing I do with Rushmore's. I take into account, you know, the movies I thought it's more for me, my personal preference, you know, um, like I have, you and I share two of your four. Like I, we have two in common. For me, when I do these Rushmores on every episode, I kind of do a mix. I'm like, yeah, these are the movies. Because I, I hate it when critics are like, these are the best movies of the year. Well, were they? Or were they just the things you saw and looked at from an artistic perspective and not taking into account, uh, number one, the, the pop culture weight that it carries. Number two, what movies am I, am I going to be watching five, ten years from now. Like, for example, I'll just take Roma. Roma, you can make a case, was the best movie to come out in 2018. Am I going to watch it tomorrow? Fuck no. 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 It's a beautiful movie. It is one of the most artistic movies I've ever seen. But I'm not clamoring to watch it again. And I take that stuff into account when I'm when I'm thinking about these Rushmores. So... That being said, my Washington is Black Klansman. Mm. Black Klansman. I think should have won Best Picture. Uh, I think it's a joke that this was the first time Spike Lee really got some serious recognition from the Academy. I, I just think it's a joke. Black Klansman. I think it's his second best movie behind, behind Do the Right Thing. Should have won Best Picture. Uh, Green Book, for those who don't know, Green Book won. Best picture, absolute joke. This is also John David Washington's coming out party. Uh, this is the first movie I ever saw him in, and quite frankly, was blown away by him. So I thought got snubbed out of a Best Actor nomination. So Black Landsman is my Washington. Number two is Avengers Infinity War. Infinity War, uh, I think, was the third movie ever, all time, to cross the $2 billion mark at the box office. So obviously, without a doubt, biggest movie of this year. To that point, the MCU was the culmination of 20 movies, 18 movies, whatever it was at the time. So, and we all know what happened in that movie. I don't, I don't need to, it's been extensively covered on this pod. I don't need to. I don't know. I think you could probably could, uh, I think the people could probably use an explainer. <laughs> everybody died. Yeah, that's, that's all you need to know. Not everybody. Not, not everybody. Not everybody. <laughs> Number three, I have Spider-Verse. Um, just belongs on here. Just belongs on here. It was a landmark achievement in animation and superhero storytelling. Um, it took a character, in my opinion, the third most famous superhero behind Superman and Batman. Those two are interchangeable, I think. Batman's probably number one. But, you know, Marvel's flagship character. You know, you can say what you want about the MCU and... 
if you take Marvel as a whole with all the comics and the movies and the shows and whatever, Spider-Man is the most famous character they have. He's their most valuable property. And this just took that character and took him in a direction that I don't really think even the producers and Spider-Man fans thought they could go in. So it's just, like I said, landmark achievement animation. I mean, we're going to talk about the animation later on, but it was just an awesome movie and I could watch it literally anytime. And then fourth, I have a star is born. Uh, really tough watch, really tough watch, but I, mostly it's just cause Bradley Cooper, his coming out party as a creative force. We all knew he could act. Uh, I don't think we knew he could direct and, you know, be as creative as he was in this movie. So also Lady Gaga, Lady Gaga flexing. I thought she should have won best actress. I think when I did back when this was circle city chat room, I think I did a prediction pod and I had Lady Gaga winning best actress and I was kind of pissed off that she didn't win. So, and of course the soundtrack, I don't need to go into that. It's kind of tacky at this point, but it, it's, it's a classic soundtrack. So a star is born rounding out my Mount Rushmore, Alex, Spider-Verse at the 91st Oscars. It won Best Animated Feature, which at the time was a shoe in but looking back on it, pretty impressive because it beat out Pixar, which is no, no simple feat. It was the first non-Pixar win in this category since Rango, and it was the first to win with a Pixar film in contention since Happy Feet beat Cars in 2006. It it deserved it. I mean, even then, I like I wasn't a huge Oscars follower that year, but like I was like paying attention. I wanted to see if Spider Verse won because I was really invested in it. And like I wasn't knowing the Academy and knowing how they favored Pixar, I wasn't guaranteeing anything. So no, you never was, can. You never can with no, the Academy. You never can. Um, and I think that they made. I mean, for once, they got it absolutely right. They nailed it on the head. And I think. Like Pixar has never done anything like as okay, I'll say since the 90s, they haven't done anything as revolutionary as this movie. Like, for the most part, you can tell a Pixar movie pretty instantly. Like, they're they did a good job of integrating computer generated graphics, right? Computer generated oh, they animation, pioneered it, they pioneered yeah. it. Yeah, like they literally changed animation forever. I can't take that away from they them. Did, absolutely. But since that happened, their style hasn't evolved much. Like they're not like changing the way animation's been done since that happened, right? And I have to give them credit for innovating initially, but this movie is just so remarkably animated that it would have been a disgrace if The Incredibles 2 won. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Like even with even without the you know greater story of Spider-Verse, it would have been a disgrace because the animation blows it off the page. Like this, it like it feels like a comic book. And I think this is something we're gonna touch on a lot when we talk about the movie. But the way they animated the movie is it feels revolutionary almost when it probably isn't. It <laughs> is. It feels I no, I think it is. Like I, I have a tendency to go into hyperbole, so I have to kind of watch myself sometimes <laughs> because I have the tendency to be hyperbolic, but especially around movies that I love and I love Spider-Verse. It's one of my favorite movies ever, but 
the animation is just breathtaking. And I, I'm just glad that the Oscars got it right for once, the Academy. But for this one time, and this one time only, shout out to the Academy. <laughs> so let's get into the plot synopsis of Spider-Verse. This, according to IMDb, teen Miles Morales becomes the Spider-Man of his universe and must join with five spider-powered individuals from other dimensions to stop a threat for all realities. If that doesn't really you in, folks, I don't know what will. So we have Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, released in 2018, directed by three people, Rob Persichetti in his directorial debut, Peter Ramsey and Rodney Rothman, Screenplay by Phil Lord and Rodney Rothman. Story by Phil Lord. Produced by longtime Spider-Man producer and Marvel producer. Avi Arid, Amy Pascal, Phil Lord, Chris Miller, and Christina Steinberg. Edited by Robert Fisher Jr. Music by Daniel Pemberton. The music in this movie, mm-hmm. by the way, amazing. Sunflower alone. I mean, Jesus. Starring the voices of Shamik Moore, Jake Johnson, Haley Steinfeld, Mahershala Ali, Nicolas Cage, 8.4 out of 10 IMDb rating, 3.5 out of 4 stars, Roger Ebert, not sure how it didn't get a 4, but whatever, 90 million budget, 375.5 million box office, smashed, smashed it at the box office. And also clocking in, at, I believe, an hour and 57 minutes, which is quite long for an animated movie. But with not a second to spare, I would not change a thing about this movie. Alex, let's get into the best scenes. I don't have a lot, what? but the Spider-Man intros just as a group, I thought were amazing. They were all amazing. I mean, the Peter, the regular Peter Parker, who I mean... We'll talk about it in a second, what happens to him. But I think like, you know, just watching all the intros, it's it's just great. Like such. And that's part of where like this saying it feels like a comic book. It kind of pops off the screen, kind of like how a comic book, like ideally when you're reading that it pops off the page and they do a really good job of animating those. And like adding the comic books for effect at the beginning of the movie really helps with that feeling. It absolutely does. I mean, from the jump, you know, you get, I mean, you just get approved by the comics code authority. So if that doesn't, that does make you think like this is a comic book, the Columbia logo, you know, stuff like that with the, with the, you know, with the, like, I don't know what you call it, but you know, if you've seen the movie, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about the Columbia logo. So all the Spider-Man intros were great. Then we have miles and Aaron hanging out his uncle, Aaron, I thought this was a cool spin on the Uncle Ben and Peter dynamic because Uncle Ben and Peter, like Uncle Ben, for inexplicable reasons, is like 80 years old. And Peter is a high schooler. And they have like kind of more of this grandpa-grandson relationship. But, you know, if you, speaking from personal experience... You know, you learn a lot of valuable lessons from your grandpa. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the generational gap. You know, there's the one generation in between you guys where you kind of look at life in a different way. 
So that's kind of what the Uncle Ben Peter dynamic was. So the Miles and Aaron hanging out, this is like you and your... This would be like me and my mom's brother. So my Uncle Billy that I do partners in crime pods with, this is what that would be for me. So I thought it was a cool cool spin on on the on the um, he's kind of like the uncle ben but he's not you know what i'm saying yeah it totally tracks i mean and the analogy you brought up where in like the original spider-man uncle ben like the original Raimi spider-man uncle ben is like a geriatric damn near yeah. and like in this movie uncle aaron's like what probably 40 like 40s yeah like and Jefferson Davis, who is going to die at some point, um, based on what we know. Right. But Jeff is like probably what, like 45? Like they can't, they might not even be that old. But like the brothers, like it's really cool to see like an actual age representation on this in this story because that doesn't happen a whole lot in Spider-Man stories. But yeah, and Aaron, you know, the graffiti part of it, like, come on. And it's like the cool uncle too. Like Aaron's the cool uncle in this relationship where he's like, obviously um, Miles doesn't know about his seedy um his extracurricular activities. His extracurricular activities is a great way to put it. But you know, to, to Miles, he's just like the cool uncle who takes him to this cool place to get to do to put up graffiti. And it's really cool. Like the graffiti is so like it's so lifelike. And yeah, you could tell you could tell like one thing I appreciate about this movie is that the animators don't look down on graffiti. Rather, they like celebrate it. That's and like form. when graffiti's done like extremely well, it's one of the best art forms there is i i think graffiti is beautiful yeah and i think that i appreciate that they appreciate it because a lot of movies could have chosen to be patronizing about it and been like hey let's make this graffiti you know ugly you know let's look down on it but instead they choose to celebrate it and i think that's really cool just like as an aside but yeah the graffiti element was really cool and then you know watching miles struggle to hop the fence Right. While while Aaron just climbs over it, maybe should have been Miles' first hit. How easy, how easy Uncle Aaron gets. Should have been a dead giveaway. (laughs) But but to be fair, Miles was wearing a backpack, so he did have a little bit of no, 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 (laughs) no. I'm giving him like a little bit of slack, but yeah, I I just thought that scene was really cool, and I shout out to the animators who don't look down on it at all. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, then we have Miles and Gwen Stacy meeting. We have the infamous shoulder touch. We, hey. we have uh, hey, hey. <laughs> then we have uh, I don't know. Cool. It's it's like a romance, but it's not because it's definitely like one sided. Like Miles is definitely really into it, and Gwen is just not. And I don't know. It's like the opposite of a of a. Peter and Mary Jane, you know? Right. It's definitely Miles is feeling it and she's not, which, you know, I think they come to terms later in the movie. I thought my favorite part of this scene, this is the one where she says her name is Gwanda, right? Yes. Yeah. Because she's coming up. She's like, I can't say my name is Gwen for whatever reason. I don't think anyone, I don't think Miles knew a Gwen Stacy. 
But I'm still not totally sure why why she did that. But yeah, go on. I mean, it's just funny, like her, like him, like thinking in his head. And that's one of the things this movie does really well. They pair the inner monologue with. uh, And by this time, Miles has already been bitten and he's already found out. Like he's noticed something is different, but he doesn't know exactly what. It's just a normal spider. It's normal, I'm just going through everyday spider. Well, he's like, I'm just going through puberty. He's like, did I just say that out loud? <laughs> and why are you sweating I so think, much? I just like, oh, it's puberty. It's just a puberty thing. Like, <laughs> I already hit puberty. <laughs> um, the like this, but that's another thing too about the animation. And I feel like I'm gonna keep going back to this. The beads of sweat look so real on Miles's skin, yeah. and it's like he looks really nervous. Like they do a really good job. The thought bubbles when he's doing the inner monologue before talking to Gwen, like, I think it's really, I just think the animation's really well done. And this scene, like when he does the shoulder touch and he can't get off her hair. And then that sequence again, just really well animated. And then the sequence after, um, after was some time in this stretch where he, uh, goes, and runs away from the security guard is like <laughs> Morales, were you out last night? And he's like, who's Morales? <laughs> and he goes out and he runs away and he runs right into the security guard's office and he plays the Spider-Man, <laughs> the Spider-Man Christmas, Christmas album. album yeah. <laughs> and the security guard's like, Hey, he can sing. Got a good voice. Got a good voice. <laughs> <laughs> then the sequence where um, the, the pigeons like, he's caught the pigeons and the pigeons keep slamming him into the window. Just like this whole movie. I could talk about this whole movie and I know you don't want to, but just like so well done. I mean, I could, but for time's sake, we can't, but it's, it's, it really is a perfect movie in a lot of ways. Um, then we have miles meeting the Spider-Man who, uh, ends up dying. The Spider-Man, from what I could tell in my research was supposed to be the ultimate Spider-Man version. Uh, this Peter Parker has blonde hair, blue eyes, uh, happily married to Mary Jane. The Spider-Man that Peter Parker we meet later on voiced by Jake Johnson is like your more traditional Peter Parker, um, which is what it was intended to be. But yeah, this is miles meeting his uh his universe's peter parker who you know first time watching this movie you're like okay they're gonna beat kingpin they're gonna beat green goblin and they're gonna he's gonna learn from this guy uh no no actually this this guy fucking dies and then (laughs) he's the whole universe mourns him (laughs) as like a public funeral for him mary jane and aunt may speaking at his funeral in New York City. And it's really it was really kind of jarring watching it. Me and my cousin were in the theater, like, what they just fucking killed Peter Parker? Like, is Miles supposed to learn all this by himself? So really, really great scene, I thought. There's some Game of Thrones-esque like twists in this movie that you like killings off that you don't see coming. And I think that this is one of them. And it I think it makes the movie really good because you have the air of tragedy kind of hanging over the movie and plus the music, like the song, I'm not scared of the dark. Like it's great such song. like a perfect, yeah, such a great song to play over it. And I mean, they killed it like with their, like not just like the soundtrack choices, but the score choices as well. Like, I think we'll talk more about 
like when you talk about Prowler, like his score. But like they do a really good job with the music in this movie and the song I'm Not Scared. And then that leads into the Stan Lee <laughs> cameo is like, it always fits eventually. eventually. <laughs> no returns. <laughs> Miles. What I think is funny, though, is that Miles ends up wearing that um, that spider suit that costume basically for the majority of the movie, yeah. like his black suit, he doesn't change into, or he doesn't spray paint until like the very, what? Like so the last third act. Yeah. Yeah. So he's running around in basically a bootleg Spider-Man costume, <laughs> but it, it works. It works. Works very well. And then we get the Peter B Parker intro. This guy, I looked him up. I looked him up. According to Lord and Miller, he is 38 years old. This, this version of Peter Parker, he's, according to Wikipedia, reluctant mentor, disheveled and jaded. Uh, absolutely, absolutely agree. He is intended to be an amalgamation of all pop culture Spider-Man adaptations and interpretations. Lord and Miller envision him to be like Mr. Miyagi from The Karate Kid if, quote, Mr. Miyagi didn't know anything. So, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty spot on. Pretty spot on with Peter B. Parker. A little out of shape, Alex. A little, little gut, a little beer belly, but still, still gets the job done. So I want to. So first of all, um, I don't know if you knew this, Zach. I'm sure you did. The Peter Parker in this universe was voiced by Chris Pine. Yes. I believe. Yep. Which I think is funny, going not going from, but because Jake Johnson kills it in this movie. But going from Chris Pine to Jake Johnson, like a huge star. And then I think it actually kind of is a good primer, you know, for like the tone of the movie, because it's like the unexpected mentor kind of. But I just want to read this little bit of dialogue. Um, Go ahead. He's like, then 15 years passed, blah, 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 super boring. I broke my pack and drone flew into my face. I buried Aunt May. My wife and I split up, but I handled it like a champion. <laughs> Cut to Peter crying on the floor of the shower in his spider suit. Because <laughs> you know what? No matter how many times I get hit, I always get back up. And I got a lot of time to reflect and work on myself. And then he shows him watching the TV. It's like, did you know that seahorses <laughs> that they made for life? Could you imagine a seahorse and see another seahorse and then making it work? <laughs> while eating pizza. While eating pizza. And he's like, at the end of that, he's like, I'm pretty sure I broke her heart. Flash forward, I'm in my apartment doing pizza push-ups, doing ab crunches, getting strong. And then it says he is actually lying on the floor eating pizza. <laughs> like <laughs> this movie wrote Peter B. Parker's like Especially in a movie like this, writing is so important. And they wrote Peter B. Parker and other characters who we'll talk about, especially my favorite character in this whole movie. Um, they wrote it so well, and it's like it's funny and sad, but it's like, <laughs> and they keep going back to things, right? Like, I think one of the best writing tricks in a movie like this is self like being referential to the movie and keeps they keep finding different ways to say he's fat <laughs> and it's just one of my favorite he's like i'm pretty sure you just call he's like you're thicker and he's like i'm pretty sure you just call me fat <laughs> just like so many different ways i love i love this movie man speaking of referential and the 
in the opening when they introduced the Spider-Man that died, he's like, and I did this. And it shows yeah, the, the scene l- from Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Emo Peter walking down the street. <laughs> we don't talk about this. <laughs> we don't talk about this. <laughs> Fun fact. They were considering Tobey Maguire to voice him. Um, but they ended up not going that way. They didn't want to confuse fans, um, which honestly I think was dumb. I don't think anybody would have been confused, but um, whatever. I think it would have been cool if Toby snuck in there for like five minutes, but eh. it doesn't matter. We're going to see him in no way home anyway. So who cares? That's right. Um, then we have Peter and Miles infiltrating Alchemax, which is kind of like the Kingpin's headquarters, and the Spider Gwen intro. One of the not the best action scene in the movie, but definitely up there. Um, Peter and Miles working together for the first time. Miles testing out his powers. You get the the uh, Doc Ock intro. So that's really cool. It was a really cool scene. And I one of the funniest parts of the movie where they're in the vent and Peter's like. Watch, he's gonna say you've got twenty four hours, and then it cuts the kingpin. He's like, "You got twenty four hours." <laughs> and just laugh out loud, funny, honestly. It's like oh, one of the things that's great is like Peter's like a jaded veteran. Like Peter B. Parker is a jaded veteran, and he just like knows everything that's gonna happen. And like, cause like he picks out the password like super easy. Calls it a goober, which, you know, we didn't talk about, but the goober bit is hilarious. Give it. Uh, <laughs> and then when May calls it a goober, too, that's a goober. That I thought that was great. Another great, like, foresha- not foreshadowing, but another great bit of writing that I'll just talk about now is when he's tied up in the, uh, when he's restrained in the chair, he's like, I'm guessing your friends call you Doc Ock. And she's like, no, my friends call me Liv. And then when they're in the... um they're in the house about to fight and Aunt May, uh, Doc Ock opens the door and Aunt May goes, oh great, it's Liv. Like, <laughs> just <laughs> so many instances like that. But like, I again, and I wanted to talk about this last tip, so I'll do this last, um, I'll do this real quick, but another great thing they do in the intros is, all right, let's do this one last time, over and yes. over again. And that's like such a great way to introduce because it's like, this is your character. Like I'm sick of telling the story, but and I am the one and only Spider-Man spider, spider pig or whatever. Like I, it's such a great trope, but yeah. And then the, the action sequence, I'd say it's probably the second best one in the movie. It yeah. is no offense, but the, the one in the, um, in Fisk tower, I'd say that's yep. the best one at the end. But yeah, I mean, that's nothing against the scene because you're, you're going all over the place. Miles is learning how to flip. <laughs> Like, and then Gwen, you know, just totally owns Liv. Yep. <laughs> like, ownage. Shane, Miles, you know, finding out he can turn invisible. Um, a lot of other, like, a lot of cool stuff in this scene. And um, who voices, I can't remember who voices Kingpin, but he. Leave Schreiber. Leave Schreiber. He's, he fucking kills it. Like, amazing. Amazing. Kill that guy. guy. I love (laughs) Leo Schreiber in this movie. He's so fucking hilarious. But yeah, like Gwen is great in this scene and she's great in the whole movie, really. Like, and especially after Miles is like, Am I allowed to like the haircut now? She just glares at him. But that's Spider Man. I want to say it's good to see you again, but it's not. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll talk. I think we'll talk more about Kingpin in that scene later on. I think because there's a very clear, obvious answer for one of your questions later. But um, yeah, Gwen, shout out to her because she was great in this whole. Shout out to Haley Steinfeld too because she's great as yes. a voice actress in this movie. Killed it. Killed it. Uh, then we have Aunt May taking the Spider Man into the deceased Peter's hideout. Really cool. Really cool. Because the Peter that died, I think undoubtedly, was the best Spider Man. Yeah. Which is why it was so ballsy to kill him. Um, but it's just cool seeing his hideout because we never really, you know, in all the other Spider Man movies and shows live action and otherwise you never really get to see a hideout so i just thought this part was really cool and the fact that aunt may was in on it which goes against basically all interpretations of spider-man aunt may is just totally oblivious or doesn't know basically all other interpretations i thought that was a really cool part of it and we're we're about to meet my favorite character but can we talk about how good Aunt May is with that baseball bat? Might as well call her Ted Williams. Like she is, Might as well. Like she opens the door. She's like, no more visitors for the day, really. <laughs> and, and then she goes, are you, you going to call her? Donnie Donowitz. Oh. <laughs> Alan, you didn't. Um, that was, that's a great fucking reference, Zach. But like when she like is proki- poking and prodding at Peter B and she's like, is he wearing, are you wearing sweatpants? And Haley Steinfeld just goes, he is. And like the most like depressed voice possible. He is. <laughs> that's like such a great line right there. Cause they just keep making fun of how lazy Peter B Parker is. <laughs> but it, it's great. Am I allowed to talk about spider noir yet? Or we got to wait one more. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Nicholas Cage is batting like Nicholas Cage doesn't get on base doesn't not get on base in this movie. Nicholas Cage never mails in a performance. Never. So they introduce him. He goes, Hey fellas, and Miles goes, Is he in black and white? And Peter B goes, Where's that wind coming from? We're in a basement. He goes, Wherever I go, the wind follows. And the wind (laughs) smells like rain. And then just some of the, like the ways he says sometimes I just I let matches burn out of my fingertips just to feel something anything feel something. And, and he lets out a little set ah after that and then he goes oh. okay little fella Kingpin's gonna send a, a lot of mugs after you I'm talking hard boys real fast bis- biscuit boxers you fight them all off at once Miles goes I haven't fought anyone surprise attack and then <laughs> Spider Noir just keeps doing surprise attacks. Surprise show attack. me, show me some Moxie soldiers. And then he, when he's fighting Tombstone later in the movie, he goes, "Is that all you got? You gonna fight, or are you just buttman gums, you hard boiled turtle slapper?" <laughs> <laughs> and later, I, I'll save that line for later when we're actually at that scene. <laughs> it's just the dialogue from Spider Noir is just off the chain incredible like how like nicholas cage he is my winner of this movie i i don't i know we're gonna talk about that later but holy shit he makes this movie for me (laughs) yeah i mean he's awesome he's awesome he's probably the most i mean he's probably the most accomplished actor in the movie and like i said never mails in a performance and this is no exception he's amazing in the movie uh moving on Aaron revealed is the prowler. Um, and then we can kind of 
connected into this. Prowler killed by the Kingpin. Um, really, I mean, if you've read the comics, you know Aaron Davis is the Prowler. So you knew it was coming. So me and my cousin, we knew it was coming, but it was still, the effect was, the effect still had its intention. It's intention. You know, it still had its intended effect. It was, it was very effective. And killed by the kingpin, you know, it's kind of like Uncle Ben being killed by the thug, by the robber. And that ended up, that, you know, that was Peter Parker's fault because he could have stopped the burglar and he didn't. And his uncle ended up dying. Yeah. And I mean, I actually, that sequence, first of all, when he finds out his, so basically, um, like all the people in the um, spider cave are like testing Miles's metal, and they're like, "This guy, he doesn't have what it takes." You know, they like that's when Spider Noir is doing surprise attacks. Penny's coming at him with everything that she's got, so they're coming at him with everything, and he kind of goes away. He turns invisible. He goes to his uncle Aaron's apartment, which has always been like you know one of his great refuges, and then he finds out. His uncle's the prowler. <laughs> and that's like yeah, who that? had tried who had tried to kill him earlier in the movie, by the way. Like Prowler, like when he was when uh Spider-Man was first killed, Prowler got sent after um Miles before Miles was like wearing any kind of Spider-Man gear or whatever. And Miles got away, but Miles never liked the Prowler, and then he finds out his uncle is the Prowler, and he like kind of like shits his pants and then um Aaron, his uncle Aaron follows him back to Aunt May's house and then you know they get into like a big brawl this is the scene where um where Aunt May says oh great it's Liv and it also uh, the last spider noir line I wanted to highlight because yes <laughs> and Aunt May goes would you mind taking this outside it's Spider-Man where it goes, we don't pick the ballroom, honey. We just dance. <laughs> yeah, that was a great line. That was great. And that's probably his best line in the whole movie, which is other than maybe the, the fingertips line, but it's easily could so have that, taken it outside easily. Yes. But this sequence is insane. Like yeah. you, so much is going on and Peter B's like, you got to get out of here, man. Like, cause he knows his uncle's here and he's very conflicted. And Prowler tries to kill him. Um, Miles struggles to get his mask off. And then um, once he does, Aaron changes his mind. And then Kingpin kills him. Yep. Yep. Prowler killed again. <laughs> and he doesn't. And then Jeff, Jeff Davis thinks that uh, Spider-Man killed his brother. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, to be fair, I don't think he knew his brother was the Prowler. But no, he didn't. I think that he knew he was shady. He didn't know that. He calls that an APB on uh, Miles after that. Yeah. <laughs> so much family business tied up right there. But a lot of yeah. a lot of conflicting interests for sure. A lot of conflicting interests that you know Jeff, old Jeff doesn't know about. Yeah. So a uh, really powerful scene there. Uh, again, another Uncle Ben correlation to draw. So really cool how they tie all that in. Then we have What's Up Danger, which is the song that plays when Miles kind of comes into his own, breaks out of the, the figurative and literal bonds that the other Spider-Man put him in, in his uh, 
his dorm room, if you will. And, you know, the famous shot of him diving off the building uh, in his new suit. It's just really, it's like the culmination of the whole movie. And he goes, he goes into the final battle, which is, you know, the last scene we have here. The final battle with the Kingpin. Um, it's a leap of faith, Miles, which is really the line of the movie. It's a leap of faith. And then the much memed, <laughs> the much memed uh, <laughs> image of him letting Peter B. Parker go and Peter saying, not bad, kid. <laughs> the meme I always see from this movie is the one when they're outside Alchemax and they're both with their hands on their chins. Yeah. I feel like yeah. that's the meme I've seen the most. <laughs> but I think that this, what's up, Danger? Like, just to be real for a second, like, you know, a scene's great when you get goosebumps just thinking about it and like how exactly. powerful it is. And like, you know, the dialogue, like, like before this, um, Jeff Davis comes up to the door and he's like, you know, I see the spark in you, Miles. It's amazing. And you hear all this like words of encouragement that he's gotten through the whole movie. And then it just like kind of it kind of crescendos into what's up danger. There's a fucking amazing song. He finally has figured it out. Like he's got his, you know, he's got a spray painted suit that he basically designed and it just, it works. Like it's so perfect at the end of the movie, like as like, okay, miles is here and he's not to be trifled with. (laughs) And he has arrived. He's arrived. Yeah, exactly. So I just I think that that was a really powerful scene and like I, I get goosebumps every time I think about it like sometimes this is obviously the scene that I I think most people would go back and watch like from this movie actually I'm going to look up on YouTube how many views it probably has but it's like just a what's up danger it's definitely scene. the image of the movie him diving off the building yeah exactly like what's up danger so just the scene is so powerful so the the movie clip from viral media is 21 million views yeah which is about right like it deserves all those views and it's just you know like the way it kind of crescendos with him ending up by fist tower while they're all by fist tower i think it's it's great and then the final battle i'll let you handle the final battle part first but i feel like this needs like its own little segment (laughs) yeah i mean the final battle is just one of the best fight scenes quote-unquote of any Spider-Man movie. Um, you know, some that come to mind, obviously, uh, Spider-Man versus the Green Goblin, the end of the OG movie. Uh, Spider-Man versus Doc Ock on the train. You have Spider-Man versus Mysterio. Spider-Man versus Vulture, stuff like that. Um, but this, I think this is right up there because you have all of them, a team of Spider-Man fighting against a common enemy. Um, Kingpin, one of the, you know, now known as mostly a daredevil villain, which that's kind of how I know him as, but originally was a Spider-Man villain and one of the biggest and man, this is just like the fight with him and with him and the Kingpin, he should have been terrified and he wasn't. It's just miles has arrived. Like, like we said, and the fact that his dad is watching the whole fight, and he doesn't even know it's his son out there. It's just, I don't know. It's not a tearjerker, but it's like a, a step below. You know what I'm saying? I totally get it. I mean, 
there's just so much in this scene. Like, oh, so we haven't talked about Spider Pig at all, or Peter pa- Peter Porker. No, we haven't. <laughs> um, obviously in this movie he's played a lot for laughs, but Mulaney. John Mulaney kills it in his role. Um, I do want to highlight real quick to go back a while. It's like Peter B. Parker's like, this literally cannot get any weirder. It can get weirder. I just washed my hands. That's why they went. No other reason. I don't know what other reason it could be, but I don't want to know. Like the scene where he's fighting with Scorpion and he goes, what are you, some kind of silly cartoon? And then he goes, you got a problem with cartoons? And he starts beating the shit out of him and Spider-Noir comes up. And like, everybody gets their moment in this scene. Like, it's not just like Miles. Like, I feel like everyone has just a chance a celebration to, like, of the character. Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And everyone like it's their moment. Um, Penny obviously takes a massive L. Yes. With the, with the Tough. robot dying. Tough. But the spider's still alive. So, um, yeah, so she like she'll be fine probably, but I like everyone got their moment in this fight, and then obviously, you know, it's kind of like a perfect symmetry to end the movie where Miles, like in the final fight scene, you know, he's fighting Kingpin using the webs, but then he realizes he needs to use the touch <laughs> to beat him, the shoulder touch. Shoulder touch to be Kingpin. Hey. He goes, Hey, and then everything's back to normal and he saved the world <laughs> and yeah miles saved the world it was just a really good fight scene in the movie like a great movie a great ending to a great movie um alex now we transition into our top five spider-man movies slash interpretations more so interpretations um give me your number five my number five. So let me pull up my list real quick. So I have Spider-Man and Infinity War. And I'm going to have a couple MCU renditions in here, I'll say. But they like I feel like they're a little different, right? Like by the time Infinity War comes around, Peter, like Tom Holland's Peter is like more, more mature with himself. Like, and I feel like he's more of like a mature character. But obviously, you know, there's still like some things like the terrible movie references, but... Yeah. I really thought he was good in that movie. You know, that Stark suit was crazy, <laughs> you know, and obviously he's a huge part. I mean, they lost to Thanos, but it wasn't his fault. <laughs> it was, it wasn't his fault. It was, it was Star-Lord's fault. It was Star-Lord's fault. So he did his part and I just, I really liked him in that movie. So that's my pick for number five. Who's your pick for number five? My pick for number five is the Spider-Man nineties TV show. This was, one of the staples of my childhood. This was the first thing I watched on Disney Plus when I got Disney Plus. <laughs> Just to relive my childhood glory days. I, this, uh, I don't know. This show means a lot. It's one of my probably 10 favorite shows. Christopher Daniel Barnes, who voiced Peter Parker in the series. Kind of, other than Tobey Maguire. When I read Spider-Man comics, he's the voice I hear. He's just kind of, I don't know, a lot of great villain portrayals. The Kingpin, you know, plays a massive part in Spider-Verse, plays a massive, gigantic part in this show. So that's my number five. And I'm probably going to watch it again um, just just because. So that's my number five. What's your number four? So I back-to-back MCUs here. I went with Homecoming because he's kind of coming into his own in this movie. He's still, you know, 
Stark doesn't say it, but I think it's implied in this movie. It's he's still very much in the with great power comes great responsibility yes. stage of Peter. So it's I think it's cool that they say it without actually saying it. You know, it's this little thing called reading between the lines. <laughs> but like, I think they do a good job with that. Um, and Peter is obviously great, um, you know, handling high school and handling, you know, being Spider-Man, being a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And he says that's what he wants to be. And then immediately in the next few movies, MCU is like, no, we need to have a much bigger scale than friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. So sorry, Pete, you're not the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, but that's my number four. Who did you have for your number four? Before I had the OG Spider-Man movie released in 2002, um, the definitive origin story for Spider-Man, in my opinion, you know, um, you know, in the MCU, we didn't really get, uh, an explanation of how he became Spider-Man, which I, I was okay with, honestly, because everybody, it's like Batman. Everybody knows the story. You know, we don't we don't need to go through it again. But this was the first time you saw it on screen in live action. And I just thought, I mean, this is uh, probably one of my top 15 favorite movies, probably in the top six or seven movies I've seen the most in my life. Uh, means a lot to me one of the definitive, not just, I mean, obviously Tobey Maguire, if you listen to this pod, you know, my feelings about him. I think he's the best Spider-Man slash Peter Parker that we've had, but also Willem Dafoe is the green goblin. Just like one of the best villain portrayals that we've ever had. And I'm very glad he's back in, in, uh, in no way home next month. That's my number four. Uh, also felt like a comic book. In fact, the final fight was literally the green goblins death at the end was literally ripped from the comics. So big props to Sam Raimi there. Um, big comic book collector, Sam Raimi, um, paying homage to, to the source material. So that's, that's my number four. What's your number three. Keeping it in the same trilogy as you, Zach, I am going with Spider-Man two. And I feel like part of this is like, I think you and I kind of differentiated here. And I like how that we're not going along the same path because I'm kind of like going like more like Peter slash miles and because spoiler alert, miles will be on the list Um, (laughs) in there, like where they, where they are in their respective journeys. So I feel like Spider-Man two, you know, Peter, and I, the plot details are going to be a little hazy. I've watched it a couple months ago, but my memory's <laughs> gone to shit. So, but like, you know, he's kind of like in his like intermediary stage. This is the Spider-Man 2 is kind of when, well, like he has the interview with Dr. Octopus. And, you know, he has to take that challenge on. And, you know, he's, it's kind of like similar a lot to the game where they're like, he believes in what Dr. Octavius is doing, but then mm-hmm. he goes down a path that he can't follow. So... I think that that's cool. And plus, yeah, Spider-Man 2, again, my memory is really hazy on the plot details since I it's been a few months, but I love Spider-Man 2. It's probably my favorite non... It's one of my favorite not Batman, not MCU superhero movies. Yeah. Uh, my number three is Spider-Man PS4 game. Um, probably my second favorite video game of all time behind Batman Arkham City. Um, I played this game twice all the way through going on three times right now. Um, again, similar to the MCU version, 
just skips the origin story. You know, when you start the game, he's like late twenties, has been Spider Man for like ten years. And it's just it's nice because we all we all know the story and we all know the villains. I mean, Alex, you and I have talked extensively about this game. This game rocks. Three years later, it still rocks. This this game and Spider-Verse came out in the same year, 2018. What a year for Spider-Man. 2018, between Infinity War, Spider-Verse, and the Spider-Man PS4 game, which is coincidentally my number two, Zach. Oh, there you go. I, I love this game. It I've played through it at least six times. <laughs> As you should. I mean, it's, it's like, awesome. And the DLCs. So... Show you what level. I'm sorry if you hear my cat in the background. She's uh, she's acting up because she hasn't gotten any attention all day. Uh, we were my um, dogs earlier. It's all right. That's right. We we have both sides of the animal kingdom on here. The Pet only friendly. Thing. Pet friendly here at, at the running hook. But I think that Spider-Man, the PS4 game, just like it captures the essence of Spider-Man so well because he's broke, right? Like a lot of that game, like literally evicted from his apartment in this mm-hmm. game. Like May has to slide him like a couple hundred dollars, um, yeah. just to help him get by, and you know, like the, his relationship with MJ is like on the, it's not doing well. Yeah. <laughs> They're not having a good time They're in their relationship not right now. They're not together. No, I don't think they ever ever really officially get back together in the course so of the main game. So you have that element of it, and I just think it captures the essence. That game really. Like I'm not a comics guy, you know this, but like I still feel like that game captured the entire essence of Spider-Man. Absolutely did. did. Like even like if you just want to take it to like a macro macro level, it caught like it introduced me to a ton of new villains that I didn't know existed, and it really just expanded my appreciate expanded my appreciation for how deep the Spider-Man universe is. So that's my number two. My number two is this movie into the Spider Verse. Um, I don't really need to go into much detail considering this whole pod is about this movie, but that the whole movie as a, as a, you know, as a whole, just a great homage to the character, the different versions. I thought Peter Parker got his due. I thought most of all, Miles Morales got his due. Gwen Stacy got hers. Um, Kingpin got his to some degree. So, um, that's my number two. And then my number one, Alex, is Spider-Man 2. Um, top five favorite movie of mine. I think other than Defoe's Green Goblin, the best portrayal of a villain in a Spider-Man movie. Respect to Michael Keaton's Vulture, who I think is third. Um, but Doc Ock in this movie, honestly iconic performance for the superhero genre, the comic book genre for movies just still, I mean, this was my number one pick in our superhero movie draft, Alex. And honestly it would be again if, mm-hmm. if I had the same pick in that draft. So, uh, I mean, I did a whole pod on this last summer, Spider-Man two. So you probably, I don't need to tell you all my thoughts again, but it means a lot to me. It means a lot to me. So Alex, what's your number one? I mean, it should be obvious what my number one is because yes. I feel like we've had pretty much the exact, like a little bit different of a list, but the we have three very common links. And this is, I mean, it's this movie. It's Into the Spider-Verse. I mean, you just have so many different essences of Spider-Man or Spider-Gwen or Peter Porker. But like, 
you it captures like the whole of a character where you see Peter on a spectrum or Miles, right? Like at different points along the journey. Obviously, Miles is a newbie in this. And Peter B. Parker is like jaded. And Peter Parker, like our universe is Peter Parker. I'll just say our universe is, is you know, he's living the perfect life. So you get really like kind of the whole picture of like what it's like in the journey, you know, <laughs> the Mr. Miyagi, but he didn't know shit. Um, comparison by Lord and Miller. I, I mean, very it's perfect. Brand. Yep, it's very on brand, and it's just it fits in so many ways. Yes, so I love it. Um, this is my favorite Spider-Man movie, no doubt, and I think it will be probably unless No Way Home blows my expectations out of the water, which I'm very much intentionally trying to tamp those down because I'm not trying to get super duper hyped right. for a movie. Like I, I know it's probably going to be great because it's Marvel. But I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna let my expectations get to the roof. Speaking of No Way Home, let's briefly touch on that. Um, you know, based on the trailer and all the rumors, there's going to be some heavy multiverse, Spider Verse esque elements in this movie. Um, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garf- Garfield all but confirmed to appear in this movie, uh, and confirmed to to appear. Alfred Molina, Willem Dafoe, and Jamie Foxx, who are all coming back from past Spider-Man movies that don't take place in the MCU. So this is definitely the most excited I've been for a movie probably since Avengers Endgame. Probably since then. It's it's totally understandable. I mean, I think that... So I think if... If Spider-Man No Way Home were looking to borrow elements on how to do a multiversal story, I think it would have to look to this one. Uh, yeah, right? Like obviously it would have to. Like there's a ton of like the MCU's been trying to set up multiverse stuff for like hell. They've been doing it for months now with Loki. Yep. So this is obviously something they're trying to do on a like a grand scale, but the Sony did it first. And Sony did it in a way that's really gonna be hard to top. Like for better or for worse like it's and i don't know how they're gonna what they're gonna do for the sequel to this movie by the way which is due to come out next year actually i think this time next year yeah so not too far away no so it's gonna be like a huge thing where they're um discussing like when they do this the sequel to this movie i don't know how they're gonna top it but i'm really, really curious to see how they tie all the threads together because in this movie it made sense right like you had the um Oh, they call it the collider under right. Alchemac under Fist Tower, and you know you could tie the threads that way. How are they going to do it in No Way Home? Like, I think that's a, a realistic question to ask. It's a challenge. So, I'll, I'm sure they'll do it. Right? I've put my implicit trust in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Kevin Feige to basically just knock my socks off. Right? Like I put my faith a hundred percent in them 100% of the time. But I think that we're going to see, I'm honestly, I'm really, I'm just waiting to see how they do it. And I'll be curious to see if I'm satisfied with the product. I'll say, well, here's the question for you. Do you think the multiverse elements of no way home are going to take away from spider versus impact on Spider-Man lore? My answer is no. I don't think so. I think Spider-Verse 
just touched on a lot of different different uh, parts of storytelling and it's not hindered by connecting to this bigger narrative like No Way Home is going to be with the MCU. So I'm going to say no, but what, what do you think? I don't think so either. Like I think Spider-Verse, first of all, it's just like an animated movie. So it's always, it's going to be inherently different because there's some people who just refuse to watch animated movies. That's those, just like those the, people are, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get this. They're people. missing out. Like, you're not going to watch Invincible because it's animated. <laughs> like, you're not going to watch. There's so much great animated stuff. You're not going to watch anime. Like, I'm not like a huge anime person, but anime is great. Like, the, the ones that I've seen and like. You got to respect. You got to respect it. Yeah, you got to respect it as an art form. Like, it's it's well past time. I mean, SpongeBob SquarePants is probably the biggest cultural phenomenon for people our age, even after, like, even before the MCU. Right. So you got to respect animation, but so that's why one reason I think it'll stand on its own. And the other reason is just like, it's a great movie and great movies will always be discussed as great movies. And I think this movie is like universally known and universally beloved as a great movie. And plus absolutely we've had Spider-Man homecoming. We've had Spider-Man like separate from the original Raimi trilogy, which was really well received, you know, Spider-Man three, whatever, like, notwithstanding but right you have the original trilogy that's super duper popular and nobody cares like that spider-man homecoming is a different movie i think we're gonna start looking at it like we look at batman's right where you can appreciate the 1989 version you can appreciate batman begins the dark knight you can appreciate the dark knight rises so i think you know we're gonna start looking at it like batman basically is how i would say so i don't think that this is going to take away from no way home, no matter how it does. I don't think it'll take away from Spider-Verse at all. I don't think so either. And I'm, you know, no secret. I'm looking very, very much looking forward to it um, for many reasons, but Alex, let's get into the categories, the famous circle city cinema categories. It's been too long since I've done these. Number one, who got it the worst? I'm going with Chris Pines, Spider-Man, literally, fucking body slammed to death in one one slam so I'm, I, that's that's my pick who are you picking? That's the obvious choice so I'm going to go off the board I'm going to go with Aunt May's house yeah that's what <laughs> <laughs> like, pick. Solid she, pick. she asked them to take it outside and Spider, Spider Noir said we don't pick the ballroom we just dance and so I mean that that's a good choice and then Prowler I mean he got it pretty bad yeah he did tough, getting tough shot deal. in the back like it's a raw deal it's a raw deal so it's one of those like I think the original Peter Parker by far I don't think it's really close but you know as a second as a second place finisher one of those two next category, next category slip in the DMs a crew or cast member or somebody else who caught your interest and you want to slip in their DMs to get to know them better. I mean, can I just be friends with Spider Noir? Yes. Yes, you can. That's that's my choice. I, I don't really have, you know, he taught like he's what 1930s private eye. I like I like milkshakes and I like fighting Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> And you know that's that's my kind of guy. So shout out to Spider Noir. 
<laughs> Who's yours, Zach? My pick, I'm going off the board, Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige. Mm. I'm asking him, how far are you willing to go with No Way Home? Are you willing to undermine the impact of this movie? I don't think he is, but we shall see. That's Especially since... Him. How far are you willing to go? He has to have a working relationship with Amy Pascal, though, is the thing. He does? Well, like, he can't fuck her over. No. Because they don't have Amy Spider-Man. Pascal, who's one of the producers of this movie. Yes. They don't have Spider-Man unless they have the Sony rights. And, like, Sony doesn't have to do that. Now, Sony is making a lot of money off of the MCU. Let's make that abundantly clear. But... My shitload. The MCU doesn't have the rights to Spider-Man. Their biggest character. Yeah. So... They just got back the X Men. <laughs> Sony's never giving up Spider Man, by the way. It's never happening. No, and they should. So, absolutely. As long as they have, you know, enough money to not get bought by Disney, which I'm afraid will happen in the future at some point, as we see the monopolization of media, that's a conversation for a different day. <laughs> but <laughs> as long as Sony has its own backbone, they will never, ever give up Spider Man. It's not going to happen. No, never. And then finally, maybe the most famous cinema segment. You correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I would say. The Block in the Back Award for the most brainless decision in the movie. My pick is Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. the Kingpin, for concocting this machine that, let's be honest, dude, was doomed from the start. It was never going to work. Never going to fucking work. So, Kingpin... Brainless move, uh, ended up paying the price for it. Is my pick, yeah. Kingpin is a great choice here. I think, I don't know, there's not a whole lot of blocks in the backs in this movie, is the thing. Like, you have to kind of stretch to think about it. I mean, maybe Miles at some point, but he redeems himself. Miles breaking the goober, Miles breaking the goober. I'll that's probably what I'll go with because that. That's I mean that if that doesn't happen that doesn't you know there's no plot really to this movie yeah but it's a good thing he did because yeah we needed the content so thank you Miles for committing the my block in the backboard <laughs> and folks that's all we got what Alex thank you for coming on I thought this was a great episode thank you for having me man um if I can get a real shameless plug in real quick yes please so I know, I know I trashed our teams from this week at the beginning of the pod. It's still a great episode. Make sure, please go make sure you cut, check that out. Um, I crashed insanity this week and I gave Bryce the case for firing a beloved coach of his. So make sure you check that out. And then our teams for next week, Zach, it's basketball heaven for me and Dylan. So we got the Raptors who are doing great. We got the Hornets and this is all done by a wheel, by the way. So we're not choosing these teams randomly picked, randomly picked. So we got the Raptors, we got the Hornets and we got the Nets. So it will be a great week of basketball after a not so great week of basketball. So make sure you check out the power hour and yeah, that's pretty much all I, Oh, and divine rhyme. Make sure you check out the divine rhyme. They're finishing up Kendrick month. So they're, they're doing great. So yeah, make sure you check them out. That's all I got for shameless plugs. Beautiful folks. Cinema will be back in the very near future. Not sure with what, uh, but I will be back. So we'll see. Don't worry. Uh, Alex, once again, thanks for coming on talking about one of the, honestly, I'm just going to say it. One of the best movies 
of the past decade, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So, folks, if you haven't seen it, I'm not sure what you were doing listening to this episode, but please, please, go see it. Uh, And as always, folks, thank you very much for listening.